Dennis Rader, the BTK killer. And if you are joining us now, thanks for listening. But we highly recommend you go back and listen to part one to hear about Dennis Rader's early life and his peak as the BTK killer. Sonia, you want to give a little preview of what some of our listeners may have missed in part one? Uh, well, we talked about uh, all of the murders, essentially, that happened uh, prior to murder number nine, which is Vicki Wedgerly. Now, I'm sure you guys know Dennis Rader was BTK, or sort of pronounced himself BTK, which is the acronym for Bind, Torture, Kill. He killed 10 people between 1974 and 1991. So current day where we left off, we were talking about Vicki Lynn Wedgerly. And this was a murder that occurred on September 16th, 1986. Vicki Wedgerly was 28 years old. Not only was she 28, like many of his victims, tragically, she was also a mother of two. And um, it was, I think, her beauty and her uh, attention to her kids that first caught Dennis's eye as he began to stalk her like he did most of his victims before attacking. Almost like I kept imagining in my head and it's a terrible imagination but like a viper stalking its victim before it lashes out and attacks so he uh as his mo has shown us so far on september 16th he posed as a telephone repairman like we have seen many times before that was a very popular thing for the boston strangler to do go check out that episode And he cut the telephone wires like he had done many, many times. You want to take it from here on this tragic events leading up to Vicki Wedgley's death? Well, let's talk a little bit about his trolling, as he called it, and then Uh the stalking that ensued when he planned on... On, on his, you know, essentially what he called his project. His projects, yes. and Vicki Wedgerly in particular, he referred to her as the PJ Project. <clears throat> Apparently, as you said, Vicki really caught Dennis Rader's eye. Um, he, it said that he would walk by her house during the day to listen to her play the piano. In a I'm weird like, way, that's kind of sweet. It, uh, it's creepy, n- it's disturbing, it's, but it's kind of sweet. I'm, I would not be playing the piano in the day anymore. I mean, think about like, just sort of step out of that bat, out of that for a second. Blah. Sort of step out of that for a second and s- see 
an innocent situation where you have people walking by your house, you know, maybe they hear you playing music and maybe they're like, oh, that's lovely. But to think that there's a serial killer walking right outside of your house, well, yeah. listening to I mean, your music that you're playing and becoming infatuated before you, uh, about well, yeah, no, you, no, no, of course, that's terrible. He's a serial killer. But like, if it was just like a normal person that enjoyed listening to someone, like my neighbor plays the piano, sometimes better than other times, but when he's playing it well, I quite enjoy listening to it. It's a nice respite. Yeah, no, I get it. In the normal world, that would be lovely. But I'm, I, in, in my brain, with in serial killer world... Well, knowing just, what we know feels, about him, it's terrible. Well, but doesn't... I mean, to me, this makes me question everyone, you know? Unfortunately, because there are so many criminals out there in the world, and we talk about them so frequently, you know, you start to get a little you know, sort of curious about people who may or may not be around you all the time who you think are incapable of crimes like these that clearly are. So I guess that's what I was saying. That's the most disturbing part. It's disturbing to think how close he was to her, how frequently he was close to her, and how, I mean, he, he obviously studied this for quite a while. So as you said, you know, he dressed up as a telephone repairman. He went to her door. He... He, he he kind of like styled this situation like he was walking from one house to another checking on all of them um, and so that's what the impression was that he gave her was that he was checking everyone's lines so you know again at gunpoint he goes into the bedroom he ties her up um, you know she I guess fought with him causing him scratches and cuts you know what's really interesting too is I'd be wondering if Dennis Rader's kids ever wondered why he had scratches and cuts if this happened on occasion because I think there was another occasion in one of these murders where someone had also scratched him well yeah naturally um, or, or maybe got to him so he gets a rope you know and he starts choking her to death um again he starts he took photos of her in the different positions you know sort of Similar to what he had done. Yeah, similar to what he'd done before with the, the bondage positions. Here's where it gets crappy. Er, This woman has a husband, and she's got a toddler in the other room. He, the toddler's two. So, of course, this is hours, you know, later, I'm sure. Um, but what's real? you know, I mean, Dennis Rader went in, it looks like Dennis Rader went into the house at 10 a.m. Sounds like the husband was coming home hours later. Um, and this is it what's actually, crazy. Oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to say, I it, actually don't think it was that much later because Dennis actually stole Vicky's car and her husband saw the car driving in the opposite direction. Exactly. But it, that all depends on when time Bill, Bill Wedgerly, essentially the husband, yeah. was driving home. So there was time between when he, she was there alone with a toddler. Right. It sounded like some time had passed because he walks into the house and he's like, you know, it, obviously, depending upon where she was, how long was she gone? And then how long had this toddler been alone? So it was like, what the heck? And it sounds like he took a little time to figure out where the where the where the toddler or, was as well. Uh-huh. So pretty terrifying. Um, he, what's really sad about the situation is, as you said, you know, he sees Dennis Rader, who apparently looks like every other white dude, drive by. And, um, he, I think that he sees Dennis driving his wife's car. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. He saw Dennis driving his wife's car going in the opposite direction. But don't you think that's kind of weird, though, that, uh, uh, you know, like, wouldn't you be 
I mean, who's that guy? You know. Well, if I you mean, don't see the person driving, you might just be like, "Oh, my wife's going out to get groceries." But then you get home and you see the toddler and the wife's gone. Then you know something's up. But he said he saw Dennis sitting in the seat and driving. He said he saw. He, he knew it wasn't his wife. Did he say he saw him? Oh, that's yes. Oh, that I yes. didn't realize that part. That's terrible. He saw a tall man in that seat. And oh, come by the on. way, I'm going to correct myself because he says a tall man, and I guess Dennis. I don't know. I don't remember how tall Dennis Rader was. I, no, but he wasn't. It, I, well, I think the guy. Sorry, go ahead. Well, he he calls him a tall man, and but he couldn't have been that tall because I always heard that he was between like five eight and five. Maybe he was he was described between five eight and five ten. I think that I I thought I heard at one point someone described him as being six foot, but I mean, sure, if you see him from a distance or something, you don't notice five ten six foot, not a big difference. But difference between five eight and six six That's foot a big difference. definitely yeah 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 for sure. I know so perplexing um because most people who are over sort of 510 you they're distinguishable because the average yeah. person is shorter than that but yeah uh-huh. essentially bill saw his wife being driven away by her murder and um then later he's accused of it because he can't you know right. I, I mean attest for where he was during her murder because it happened you know probably not so long I, what you, what we don't know is how long Dennis spends with his people, with his mur- his victims, because he spent time with her taking photos of her. So if if he went to her house at 10 a.m., however long it took to murder her and then take all these photos of her, we don't know. But what was crazy about this situation is I feel like that this is when this is the murder where Dennis starts getting sloppy. Um, maybe he's not planned it out as much, even though we, we, it says, you know, clearly that he, or he says that he did, but maybe it's just a, simply the arrogance, but he leave to me, leaves too much to chance. You know, he wasn't, he totally, how does. would he, how, how does he not know that he, her, you know, the husband's coming home? Like if he knows yeah, yeah. everybody's schedule and I'm in, if I'm not mistaken, Vicky is telling him, you know, my husband is coming home. My husband is coming home, and he realizes he doesn't have much time. Right, but he takes enough. He has enough time to take photos of her in bondage positions. You know, just defiling her is awful. So yeah, that's ultimately the Vicky Wedgerly situation. And you know, again, for a number of years, her poor husband not only had to deal with the death of her, but he was accused of her murder. And I think it was almost 20 years later that they that BTK finally wrote a letter to the police or to the newspaper telling them. And here's what they did. Here's what he did because he's such a dick. I he, Go ahead. He sent her for her driver's license, a copy yeah. of her driver's license, and a picture of her drawn in the position that he had, you know, left her, which was, of course, mean, clearly that he was the person, the perpetrator, because no one else would have had that information. But right. that was 20, almost 20 years later. This poor guy yeah, had to go, you know, under this. Yep. You know, terrible. I mean, that's that's yeah. awful. Um, so no, some, a side note, a side note for that. Um but yeah, that was uh, Vicki Wedgerly. She was 28 when she died, and she was another victim that was strangled. So now we've got BTK back on the prowl. You know, he he's out there. He's at previous murder, April 27, 1985, Marine Hedge. And now, you know, what, almost probably a year later, a little more than no, a year later? I think it's like, isn't it like six months or so later? It's not that long, I didn't think. It's April 27th was uh, for 85 was Marine Hedge and he didn't kill again until September 16th. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. So it's like a, a year and a half. You're right. I was thinking that Marine was later in the year. Yep. You're right. Yep. Yeah. So, so, so that's our number nine victim. And, Vicky Wedgerly. And, and Vicky is going to be 
a, a key watershed victim for BTK because at this point, there was no, previous to this, I should say, there was no collection of DNA. No one knew what it was for any of his previous victims. In 1986, it started to come out and he certainly left DNA. It could not be traced to him or anyone else. And in fact, over 1,300 samples of DNA were taken to try and pin to uh, Vicky Wedgerly, but none would be positive until almost 20 years later. So, Brittany, who was our last victim? Victim number 10, 1991. Again, a gap of uh, coming up on five years uh, between murders. Dolores Davis. And uh, Dolores is 62 years old. So again, uh, he is attacking older women at this time. Uh, Dennis is 45, 46 years old. Uh, Vicky was younger, but we saw Marine was uh, 53. Now Dolores is 62. And he particularly targeted Dolores because she uh, lived alone. She was a little bit older. And if I'm not mistaken, she was a pretty close neighbor. Yeah, she lived a mile and a half away. Yeah. So uh, it was, he found it to be a pretty easy target. I feel like he's getting lazy. Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, he's like, uh, you know, I think by this time, because this is 1991, by this time, I think I feel like he really wants to get caught or he's frustrated with the police because nobody's paying attention to him. This is when he starts throwing down the gauntlet with information, too. He is heavily (laughs) communicating with the police and the newspapers and the news like this is me this is me i mean he sends photographs of himself you know in in hanging you know in these autoerotic positions you know cross-dressing i mean he's going way out of his way to get attention so it's so crazy that they can't wrap their heads around this and remember you know now i think we're we're into dna world right right if i'm not mistaken btk was one of the very first dna uh tests that they ever did well that's that's what i mean like in 1986 when he was he was not tested uh, but Vicky Wedgerly, the dna that was left was tested that was one of the earliest ones so the database for DNA at the time would have been very, very small because you're right. This was one of the earliest cases that tried to use DNA. So back to Dolores, you know, here's a poor woman again. Um, he uh, going, you know, with the Boy Scouts or the Cub Scouts, um, he skipped, you know, slipped away again. He drove his cart. Yeah, he yep. drove his car to his parents' house to change out thing. of his you know, uh-huh. uniform and his hit clothes. I mean, this guy, he's such a douchebag. He's like really, he's really playing this part. Like, he's so freaking cool. He's not cool. <laughs> he's not cool at all. You know, and I think that he thought he was. No, he's not cool at all. He's like, but he's also not evolving anymore. It's just the same routine. Like you said, he's getting lazy. He doesn't have to evolve. He just is like, I'm just going to do that. Well, he's proven over and over again that they're not going to catch him. You know, my God. Yeah, Um, I know. He went in with Dolores, same situation. He needed money, blah, blah, blah. He tied her up in the bedroom and then he strangled her. You know, this poor 62-year-old woman living by herself. He takes the car, um, you know, the body and puts it in the trunk. He, um, it's so crazy. He 
it sounds to me like he drives the body, drops it off somewhere, um, goes back to her house and wipes it all down, and then goes to the church. Yeah, But then exactly. I think he loses his gun, so he has to go back there and research for his gun. And then he goes... Oh, I don't remember that part. That yeah. was freaking nuts. He, he's like, oh, shit, you know, and he drops his gun. And then he goes back. So he goes back. He, he goes back to the church. Um, and then he went back to where the body was. He put it back in the trunk and he went and dropped it off at a, under a bridge. Like, right. oh, my God, how many times uh-huh. this guy's moving these bodies and nobody seems to notice. Well, he's leaving evidence everywhere. It's crazy. Too. I mean, and I don't I don't recall I if he left any DNA evidence with Dolores, um, but. I think by this time I, he was like scattered and freaking out and, um, you know. Yeah. Oh, and <laughs> here's what's interesting. Raider then, I, I'm reading this directly from Wikipedia. Raider then went somewhere to change back into his scout <laughs> uniform and returned back to camp. The following evening, he went back to where he left the body and took photographs of it. So he goes back to where he drops it off under Come the on. bridge and takes pictures of it. Like, he, the, I mean, are you kidding me? Like, there's some dude standing there taking pictures of a dead body and nobody notices? What is happening here? And nobody notices. Like just, I don't believe I it. Know. I just think it's so crazy. So this is the end of uh, BTK. Uh, now, remember, everybody, right around this time, you know, D, D, this is where BTK is escalating with all of his paperwork, his drawings, um, all this nonsense. You know, I, I... It, I'm unaware of any specific incident that caused him to sort of reinvigorate. Something happened between 1986 and 1981 or 91 that, you know, caused him to sort of stop. Who knows? Uh-huh. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, I think what we know to be true and about how Dennis Rader slash BTK was caught was that he had been communicating with an investigator on the, at the police department. And, uh, he, he apparently he thought he developed a lovely relationship with this guy and uh, Ken, one of the detectives, and he asked Ken if he could send him a floppy disk um, of some photos and things that he wanted to send him if he would if he would trace it. And well, the police said sorry, no. The police yeah, say no. Uh, you know, of course, good for them for lying. And then he, they get this floppy disk, and it's fairly easy to see exactly who authored this file and i guess btk wasn't aware of you know how forensic (sighs) it forensics work but he clearly didn't didn't protect himself in that way okay so let let's let's back up a little bit though and talk about the events that led up to this so from 91 to 2004 btk dennis raider laid dormant he didn't commit any other crimes to, you know, per se. Uh, he at least was not tied to any other confirmed victims. But coming up on the 30th anniversary of when the first murders happened, the Otero murders happened, an article was published from a, a biography about the BTK killer. And Dennis read this article in the newspaper and said, wait, 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 wait. This isn't accurate. He's not telling it right. And he's trying to take credit for my own story. If anyone's going to get credit for telling my story, I'm going to tell my story. So he was provoked again because he thought someone else was going to get credit for his work. Not necessarily they're going to take credit for the for, for the murders, but they're going to get the notoriety for writing about him. So that right. goes against his ego, his hubris that gets him caught. 
So now he starts sending letters again and pictures, uh, copies of pictures, because like you said before, he never sent the originals. He always made copies of letters and pictures and sent the photocopies. And he left like a box that showed that had a Barbie doll posed in, I think, the way that the violent way that Vicky Wedgerly was found, yes. I believe it's and, who it and- was. He did. He he sent them more than one Barbie doll posed as one of his victims. Yeah, and um, he would send this to like big box stores or some store. And um, they the second one, uh, well, I know there were at least two. The other one that I know of was posed like Josephine hanging from a PVC okay. pipe. Oh, see mm-hmm. that, and that goes back to what I said in part one. Listen to that; it, it's terrible. Uh, but Josephine is an eleven-year-old girl, and you just said it was found hanging from PVC pipe, which is just awful. He he even posted pictures around town behind street signs of his victims. He fancied himself an artist. He was a terrible artist. Um, but I want to also quickly talk about that floppy disk like that you, that you discussed. Because the way that the investigators communicated with him was really clever. I don't know if you read about this. But he was communicating with this detective and asked, as you said, can you trace a floppy disk back to its original owner? And instead of a yes or no conversation, communication, they actually agreed upon putting something in the crossword puzzle of the uh, local newspaper... And if there were, like, certain letters in there, or numbers, or however it worked, that was going to give him the answer. It was really, I thought it was very clever. But what was the the answer was he going to get, yes or no? Yes or no. But it wasn't going to say yes or no. It was going to be, like, if it's these three letters in a row, or or the the answer to this clue is such and such, that's our answer. This guy, he's such a jerk. So here's where I want to step back to, because, you know, we're down we're we're at our our 10 murder victims we know that he's killed 10 people i i personally don't believe he was dormant and he actually has written a lot about all of the times that he tried to commit the same you know crime and he wasn't successful i just think he got worse at it i think he got lazy there was a person he had planned to murder and he and it didn't actually happen and then there was another woman um i think it was her name ann williams where he went over to her house and you know she didn't show up or something but he (laughs) said that happened quite a lot that wasn't the first time and it wouldn't be the last he said he got bored waiting so decided not to go through with it like, come yeah. on. Are you like, wow. I mean, so you're right. When, when I say supposedly went dormant, we, we don't know for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think those, he, I think that those are his unsuccessful times, to be honest with you. I don't think he ever went dormant. He may say, I, I, and I think that part of that sure. was that too. I do believe that he didn't, well, but here's what the, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, he, he didn't, you know, sort of confess to other murders. Were there other murders happening? Like, how could they not tie him to them? You know, if it was the I, same situation and there was likely DNA, why couldn't they be tied? Like, how are people unaware of other murders happening around them? No, totally. Uh, so the, the floppy disk, they were able to track the metadata from Microsoft Word, which is really easy to check if anyone knows how to, like, 
basic things about Microsoft Word. And so they didn't find that it was him specifically, but they found that it was a guy named Dennis and that the Microsoft Word was registered to the church that Dennis Rader attended. So now they narrowed it down to anyone named Dennis at this particular church. And keep in mind, they had his DNA from 1986, but they didn't have any current DNA to match it with. So they got really clever. The detectives knew his daughter attended Kansas State University, so went to the campus university health center and collected DNA, which I think is really crazy from a pap smear that she had. Now, I have to say, when I heard this, I thought, what about HIPAA laws? I don't understand how they could do that and get away with it, but it actually worked out for the best because they were able to compare her DNA to the DNA found at the crime scene of Vicki Wedgerly, and they were able to tie it, of course, to Dennis Rader. Yeah, and what's interesting is I watched a, um, a some video on YouTube. I can't remember the name of it. Sorry, guys, but she's interviewed and she describes the situation herself she says that exact thing that they got the dna from they got that what she said was they found they got they what did they say she is so they associated my father's dna with dna from my pap smear and i was just like and you know really connected it you know because here's a woman sitting there saying that this is my father and they use me to prove it really really crazy i mean and i think that there were there were other there were other murders I don't think that they had tied to him until also, you know, when his daughter was being interviewed, she told them. I think that they didn't tie the Marine, their neighbor, nor Dolores to Dennis Rader until um, I think maybe his daughter had mentioned it because she knew them. Yeah, they were neighbors. They were, yeah. Uh, he, um, so after they confirmed the DNA, it was academic from there. He was pulled over for a routine stop. He was arrested. He knew exactly why he was being arrested. He had been waiting 30 years to get caught. And he finally got the notoriety that he had been hoping for. And he openly confessed to all of his crimes. So that way his name would become famous. So here's some other crazy things about Dennis Rader. I just want to sort of wrap it up with this because obviously he confessed no death uh, penalty in Kansas at the time. So he got 10 consecutive life terms. He knows he's not getting out. By the way, he's in solitary confinement. He doesn't get to be around any of the other inmates. So just so that's clear. And I feel like it also lets him off the hook. Also, sounds like people are pretty pissed off, the victims in particular, because he can buy stuff with the money he makes or earns or gets in jail and he has a tv and other stuff so he can sit in his little solitary confinement and you know whatever that's Um, disgusting it's really disgusting it's frustrating i don't think that's fair um you know but the uh, the other thing i want to mention is you know he (sighs) oh dennis when he's being interviewed he's still like kind of disconnected from what he did he's talking to these guys like they're his buddies and he when the police he asks the police or he talks to police about the floppy he gets offended <laughs> that they uh you know he asked them you know and, and also yeah he they lied to him and that that was how, how why would you lie to me i mean that's so crazy but um other I things know. that he said I during know. the interview that i thought was really weird was that how yeah they asked he asked how long that he was going to be there 
um, you know, because he had other things to do. And, you know, he's like, am I going to be here for a while? I'm like, yeah, you'll probably be here for a while, Dennis. The other thing that he said right after that that I thought was so flippin' gross was he asked if he could write BTK on his coffee mug in the, you know, when he was being interviewed so it wouldn't get mixed up with anybody else's. Oh, my God. That's the, that's that's the like cherry. The beginning. That's the cherry on the top for me right there. That tells me that this guy doesn't never, he's never cared. He doesn't care. He never will care about no. what he did. To th- be I so agree. flippant and to be so obsessed with taking responsibility for these horrendous crimes and to say something so fl- freaking stupid. Oh, I think also when he was being arrested, he asked that for them to tell his wife that he's going to be late for lunch or something. I mean, just so stupid. Like, are you kidding me? Um, but, you know, I, I didn't find too many conversations like videos with in, that interviewed Dennis Rader directly um but they most certainly they must shouldn't. have them oh, I, I well I'm sure the uh, the the detectives and officers do I don't want to see I don't want to see interviews with him I don't want him to have notoriety he's it, he was the the talk of 2005 for sure and, and years later it's 15 years later now his name has fallen out of the headlines his family has dropped all communication his his wife filed for an emergency divorce and it was granted right after he confessed his kids do not communicate with him uh and and his kids feel really bad and guilty because they feel like i should have seen this i should have seen the 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 patterns and the evidence he left clues that they recognized but they thought never thought it could be possible because it's their dad and who who wouldn't think that but now they live with this guilt and say had they put two and two together they absolutely would have turned him in they they do not feel any closeness or alliance with him and they agree with the rest of the world that he is a disgusting horrible human being who deserves to rot in solitary yep Um, A couple of other things to note, Um, you know, I just want to talk a little bit about all of the, the uh, things that the BTK killer and Dennis Rader inspired and many, many things in the media. I mentioned Uh that he had written a book, Confession of a Serial Killer, um, with Catherine Ramslin. I guess she's a forensic psychologist. This was a guided autobiography, she says. And it sounds like that the proceeds of that went to the victims. But that was certainly to, you know, stroke Raider's ego. He wasn't doing it Absolutely. for them. Absolutely. You know, he might not get the money for it, but who cares? No, um, yeah. I, I also mentioned that his daughter was, um, you know, writing a book about surviving Dennis Rader. So, uh-huh. you know, that talking about, you know, how they found out and things like that. I'm on the fence about that. I don't know. I would kind of just let it go, in my opinion. I don't know how. You know what I mean? Like, eh. yeah, yeah, totally. I, I don't. I don't want to be. Don't want to seem opportunistic in a moment like that, right? Because I, I mean, her kids, his kids, definitely see themselves as victim number eleven. They totally I mean, that's, do. That they've said that. You know. I know. Yeah, and and I agree with that. The other things that you'll see uh, in the media that was or inspired by BTK was, uh, I guess, a novella yep. written by Stephen King called yep. A Good Marriage, and then a film. I, I did not see the film, but I love Stephen King. I, wa- I almost um, watched it also, last night. It's on Amazon which, Prime, but I didn't have time. I'm, I'm yeah. going to watch it. Yeah, it sounds good. Well, I don't know. Like, Sometimes the Stephen King movies good, aren't so good. It doesn't so have good. very good reviews. I'm just saying. That's why I decided yeah, not to watch no, it. I'm not sure. 
Well, so sidebar, what Stephen King movie would you say would be a good movie? I mean, there's only one I could think of, maybe two. The Shining. It would be The Shining, Salem's Lot. Was a great. That was. I haven't seen Salem's Lot. Um, I think the. I liked Pet uh, Cemetery, but it was kind of yeah, cheesy. I um I really like the remake of it. I haven't seen part two, but part one or chapter one, I think it's called, was surprised the heck out of me how much how good I thought that was. Yeah, it's good. It's just not like I mean, the, uh, to me, the book and the movies are completely different. It's crazy, but I love Stephen King. He's one of my favorite writers. I started reading him when he was uh-huh. when I was ten. <laughs> Um, the other things that have inspired by Raider are, which I did not know, was that Thomas Harris, who wrote Red Dragon and then, of course, Sons right. of the Lambs, right? Um, he said that he based Francis Dollarhide's character on him in Red Dragon. Oh. Which I was like, hmm, I guess. I did not even really associate well, now that. now I kind of want to. Then there was the hunt for. Rewatch that. Yeah. No, Totally. Uh, Hunt for the uh, BTK Killer, which is what I watched. It was, and I got a lot of my information from. It was really interesting. Um, I also listened to Generation Y and their podcast episode about uh, Dennis Rader, and it was interesting as well as as well as serial killers. Yeah, uh, I listened to serial killers. That was really good. Um, It was. I like their take on stuff. Yeah, Um, and then last but not least, I would like to remind all of us that the BTK killer was featured in Mindhunter yeah. uh, seasons one and two, which I'm hopeful that they'll be coming back, but um, I would love to see their portrayal of Dennis Rader, um, you know, completed and to see his, um, you know, his crimes come to fruition. So that's a lot out there. I mean, I, like I said, I hate this guy. I don't think, <laughs> I mean, I can't think of a better, any other way, like a slow, painful death. Somebody really knows what they're doing. Like, I would say Dexter's perfect for this guy. Like, let somebody kill him who would keep him alive and let him be in pain. Like, tear him apart limb from limb, throw him in an ant bed, whatever. I mean, I don't know. There's not enough to, to, you know... I mean, he, he just did such terrible things and he just appears to not give a shit about it. He doesn't care about anybody else. He doesn't care about his own family. It's just so crazy. And to see pictures of him and his family, um, you know, I really feel for them. But And of course, certainly we all, we feel for the victims too because the things that they've gone through. As the guy who survived, holy crap. I mean, that's just, ugh. And then the guy, the guy who had to watch his mom be murdered. I mean, it was a path of devastation, and, and it's, it's, we're glad that it's over. But I, I have to say I'm sad that it took them so long to it, figure that, it out. That's the part that is, is really tragic because they, they had their opportunities. We've seen this before. We've read about other cases. We've watched other examples. It's just really sad because he had... He wanted to be caught because he wanted that fame and notoriety and he was begging for it. And it wasn't until he kind of was like, screw it, I'm done. I'm he practically just gave himself up. Kind of. Yeah. I want to go back for a minute and talk a little bit about all the jobs that he had, because to me, I'm like the trail of, you know, the jobs really sort of spoke to me. He worked, uh, like you said, he was in uh-huh. the Air Force. Um, apparently, he was a butcher at one point in some, some some market. He worked at an outdoor supply company. Hmm, fancy that, cords, ropes, things like that. And, and that's how he also knew how to, he knew how to um, actually uh, create a lot of different kinds of knots because he was a Cub Scout Boy Scout uh-huh. guy. Um, he also was the ADT security systems representative, <gasps> which is hilarious. Crazy. It's terrible. He was, 
a census field operations person. So he got to go to every single person's house that asked them who lived there, how old they were, and what they did. So talk about invasive. This guy was taking, uh, making his list. You know, I'm sure he figured out people that he wanted to target doing that. And then he was a dog catcher and a compliance officer. And here's what threw me over the edge. Again, I was like, are you freaking kidding me? He, as a compliance officer, gets to go visit the field office where they've got their BTK, you know, sort of task force underway. Uh-huh, right. He gets to walk in there and see all of this work happening, searching for him. Like, I'm sure that floated his boat. And I think this is around the time where, you know, pe- people were getting frustrated with him. And he, people are really, he wasn't a nice guy. You know, he like had a dog euthanized. He was really horrible to people. And from the compliance standpoint, one yeah, he woman, was a, yeah, he was a total asshole. Well, he was yeah, that he neighbor was, everyone hates. Yeah. And I mean, she filed a restraining order on him. So they had a restraining order situation on this guy, too. He said some terrible things to people. He told one woman that he would stop bothering her if she got rid of her boyfriend. I mean, it's crazy. So, you know, again, we're to the end of the story. I think at at the end of every story, we always have this conversation about how we're so surprised that nobody could figure it out sooner. Um, This one, you know, I just... I, I, I'm like you. I feel like he just kind of gave it up himself at the very end. It was, uh, he wanted to get caught. Yeah, he he totally did. I and a, he wanted to get caught much earlier. Something I forgot to mention, but wanted to. You know, we talked about how Dolores was a neighbor that he knew. He actually comforted comforted her family during the memorial in the days after her death. So uh, that was just a little something I meant to mention earlier and I forgot about. And it was very reminiscent to me, as well as the way that he was caught and confessed, of Ariel Castro. I know. I was just going to say that. Totally. Because Ariel Castro is like, he's, you know, sort of creating this connection between these people, a false connection, because it's something that he sort of instigated. But he's like now working his way in. I mean, Uh it's just horrendous. But again, Dennis Rader, for me, he's my number one, you know, hate hate hated serial killer i because he just i can't believe i mean i'm sure more people have killed or people have killed more people than he has Definitely. but the way that he did it and starting with the children um that was the know. worst and what else was weird about him to me this case i think the worst murders happened at the beginning and he de-escalated i agree that's like you not said common. he got lazy yeah, that's not common, though, for serial killers. So no. there were a lot of things that were plex- perplexing about him. But um, he's still alive and well sitting watching cable in El Dorado Correctional Facility. So if you wanted to send him a note, you probably could. I guess he got in trouble, like, right, for like some kind of mail thing. Um, <sighs> some some kind of mail issues. He got, he's been a, a um, he's been a great whatever you know what whatever you are when you're in jail a prisoner um he hasn't except for some kind of jail a uh, mail thing because he's either sent something or he got something that he wasn't supposed to get i don't think those guys should get any mail by the way screw them but i'm sure he's often married to somebody else by now all right uh so sonia you mentioned a lot of your sources i want to give credit to biography uh wikipedia naturally uh, i actually read an original news article from the uh from a uh the wichita eagle where uh, that btk sent letters to and it was an article about uh, one of the letters where he claimed to kill seven uh then uh murderpedia all that's interesting.com and you just turned me on to surviving BTK which was a really fascinating website and I'm glad you turned that on to me because there's a ton of good information in here 
Yeah, yeah. They really did their research and they've got a lot of good videos. So that's a really great yeah. website. Check it out, you guys. Survivingbtk.weebly.com. And yeah. um, they've got a lot of really good information. And we, you know, we count on all of these different sources for our information and we're happy to give them credit, you know, where credit is due because they've done oh, yeah. so much legwork. Oh, yeah, this is new information from us. We're not discovering anything new. Yeah, definitely. But, but I think we're compiling it in a way that hopefully is interesting for people. We hope so. Um, you know, I mean, that that's our that's our mission is to give you guys some entertainment while we're giving you details about true crime. So hit Definitely. us up and let us know how we're doing and vote for us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, check us out for the 2020 podcast awards in the People's Choice and uh, Society podcast, Society and Culture podcast section. Um, we were shocked and surprised and happy to be nominated. So please check us out and vote. Um we're we're thrilled and drop us a line on all of our social media channels on twitter instagram facebook i think those are all the big ones yep and follow us or you can also subscribe to us on patreon which we love we have a couple of patreon folks these days and we're going to be doing some giveaways for our patreon uh peeps to show them some recognition because we sure do appreciate their subscriptions also want to give a shout out to a couple of fellow podcasters out there We've got Music City 911 coming out of Nashville with Brandon Hall and folks. They do a great job over there, and you'll hear their promo at the end of the episode, as well as Meanwhile at the studio, which is a little studio in Winter Haven, Florida, my hometown, that's trying to, to, trying to make it to the big time, and I want to support them. So I'll be sharing their promo as well. All right, Scarlettos, love having you listen to us. Um, like, share, subscribe, follow, enjoy. Um, any final words, Sonia? Nope. Hit us up. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know if you have any suggestions for episodes. We're, we're all ears. Stick around for a few promos after the show. We are the ladies of Scarlet. Keep, Keep killing, killing it. it. Now, check out a couple other podcasters that uh, support us, and we want to give them some support. Hey, fellow Scarlet True Crime listeners. I'm Cece, the host of a new true crime podcast, Sooner State True Crime. As a born and bred Okie, I'll cover cases based in my wonderful home state of Oklahoma. The term Sooner actually refers to cheaters in the land run my state's very first true crime. New episodes are released twice a month in Apple Podcasts and most podcast apps. Or visit our website, anchor.fm slash crimestate to listen now. So come away with me to my crime state on the Sooner State True Crime Podcast. And please stay Sooner safe out there, y'all. Hi, everyone. I'm Ariel Cooksey, host of Malice. When violent acts occur, we tend to think the predators are monsters. Surely no human could do such things. But if we're honest, only humans commit malicious crime. And if you're like me, you want to know why. To find out, join me at Malice, wherever you listen to podcasts. Bye. Hey, y'all. I'm Brandon Hall. I'm one of the hosts of Music City 911, a podcast about the good, the bad, and the dark side of 911 dispatching. 
Me and my co-host are 911 dispatchers with over 60 years of experience. Join us as we play 911 calls and discuss them. Oh, did I mention that we get dark? 911, what's your emergency? I just shot everybody right now. You just shot everybody? And how many people did you shoot? Uh, three. Four, five, 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 you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Music City 901, and we're downloadable on every podcast platform. We want to give a shout out to the Pod All the Time podcast network that we, Scarlet TCP, are proud members of. Other members of the Pod All the Time podcast network are Creative Intuitive, Another Digital Citizen, History of a Haunting, Round and Round the Podcast, Real AKA Truth Podcast, Ruck Up Podcast, Random Unnamed Podcast, Suburban Folk, Three Peas in a Podcast, Raw Sex Podcast, I Think We're Doing It Podcast. So if you like what you're hearing from Scarlet TCP, check out these other shows, the members of the Pod All the Time Podcast Network.